Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello and welcome to episode 56 here where we're tackling procrastination and the tackler helping us do just that is Rita Emmett. Rita offered a fun acronym for handling procrastination, STING, take the sting out of procrastination. And so I don't know if some people think acronyms are are cheesy or old school. I think they genuinely have helped me remember it and I have used it and applied it uh, over a month later. So I dig it. I'm a fan. You tell me. You dig speakers with acronyms. You don't dig that. Let me know. Every bit of feedback helps progressively refine and guide the show. So that's Pete at awesomeatyourjob.com. So from Rita, you're going to learn one, how to tackle the fears that breed procrastination. Two, approaches to turn procrastination into a productive time of prioritization. And three, the five-step sting method, S-T-I-N-G, to overcoming procrastination. So if you want to check out the show notes, the transcripts, the links to things mentioned, you'll find that over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep56. Or if you'd like those takeaways in something you can read faster in an email that comes to you that can be read in under two minutes, sign up for the Gold Nugget email list at awesomeatyourjob.com where you can find summaries of Rita's insight as well as the other 55 guests we've had here and more to come as they emerge. So here's a bit about Rita. Rita Emmett was once the world's greatest procrastinator. Then she converted and is now a recovering procrastinator. She is also a professional speaker and author of The Procrastinator's Handbook, The Clutter-Busting Handbook, and Manage Your Time to Reduce Your Stress. The books have sold over 300,000 copies in 42 countries, garnering Rita hundreds of media appearances, including Katie Couric and the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Rita's customized presentations cover procrastination, clutter, customer loyalty, burnout, and communication skills, and they have helped hundreds of organizations improve their performance, productivity, and profitability, and head off burnout before it starts. Her clients include AT&T, Kraft Foods, Mercedes-Benz, MetLife, and the National Kidney Foundation. She emails a free monthly anti-crastination tips available at aritaemmett.com with tips and ideas to help people blast away the procrastination habit. Here's Rita. Rita, thanks so much for being here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. I'm delighted to be with you. We're talking about one of my favorite topics, and I think it's one of those things that you joke about, but the consequences are serious. So it's really a great topic, procrastination. Oh, yes. Well, I, I've been looking forward to this. And uh, it, it's funny. We had we had one appointment, then we moved it, didn't we? It's kind of ironic. We did. We procrastinated. <laughs> yeah. But it's not because we didn't want to. Like, there were genuine other commitments and, and obligations pop it up. So I think we're going to have some fun too. And one thing I wanted to hear about just real quick right up front is prominently on your website, we've got you chatting with Katie Couric. Tell me, how does one find themselves in that position? And and were you nervous? How'd that go for you? I have to tell you, I wrote a little book about procrastination. I thought I'd sell a couple hundred a year. I asked the publisher, can we make it a paperback? And Uh he said, well, you lose royalties. And I said, yeah, but a lot of people can't afford 30 bucks. So we get this little book and the little book takes off. And it sells 100000 in the first year. There you go. And my publisher, who nobody ever heard of, Walker and Company, they call me and say, you want to be on the Katie Couric show? 
I was like moving really fast and really scared. And we go there, and she was marvelous. She chatted with me for about 10 minutes beforehand and uh, told me stories of her procrastination as a kid. And I was so scared, my knees were shaking. So I put my hands on my knees to stop them from shaking, and she said, that's not working, your hands show more. We were sitting at a coffee table, and she was at the head of it, and I was sitting there. And she gets up and goes to the end of the coffee table and picks up a big fluffy floral arrangement put it in front of my knees so nobody could see them shaking. Oh, so that's a the pro. Picture you, nice. saw, you, you, you saw a chair with flowers that you thought were there to be pretty. No, they were hiding my terror. Oh, man. <laughs> but we had a great time, and she stood at the end and said, go out and buy this book. And I think all across America, people saluted and ran out and bought the book. And it was uh-huh. just a really, it was a great experience. But oh, well, that's scary, yes. You know, a lot of times there's such a fine line between being scared and being excited. And the other thing I discovered is, have you ever noticed after you do something really scary, you feel exhilarated? Oh, yes. Yeah, so I go ahead and I do scary stuff. You know, one of the things that we'll talk about this later, but a lot of times people put off something, they procrastinate because they're afraid mm. of something, you know, afraid of rejection, afraid of failure. So we'll talk about that in a minute. But, yeah, I think fear has a lot of control over us. Well, I I, I hear you. And thank Mm -hmm. you for sharing that story. And and that certainly resonates with the excitement and slash fear. And and so... I got. Let's talk about this procrastination business. Uh, and I, maybe first, I'd like to diagnose the problem, and then hear, you know, what can we reasonably hope or dream for in terms of of solutions? Because I'm thinking back in, in episode 32, we chatted with Chris Bailey, who mentioned a little bit of, of research about procrastination uh, triggers and how we all do it. But uh, I'd love to get your take. Uh, Why do we do it, and and what can we hope to achieve in terms of not doing it? Well, I think a lot of reasons why we do it. There is more than one. One is simply when you're overwhelmed. Have you ever noticed when you have so much to do, sometimes you get paralyzed? Mm -hmm. Feeling overwhelmed can the energy out of the marrow of our bones. You walk in a room, you say, today I'm going to tackle my clutter. You walk in, you look at it and go, well, I think I need a nap. You know, so that's one reason. But there's a lot of reasons. Another reason is perfectionism, Pete. A lot of people, and I'm advocating that any of your listeners accept mediocrity. I don't think anybody who listens to your podcasts would accept mediocrity. I'm Mm -hmm. saying we need to recognize that if we have a standard of excellence, that's achievable. A standard of perfection is hardly ever achievable. There's a fabulous woman, a quote by a woman named Karen Ireland, where she says, waiting to start a project till everything is perfect is like waiting to go on a trip until all the traffic lights are green. Mm. Mm. Well said. I dig it. So, yeah. So, and, and I noticed a lot of perfectionism issues in me. One time I was signing books after giving a talk and a lady, and there was a line of people there to get books. And a lady said, my house is always a mess. And I'm signing a book and I'm looking down and I think, yeah, when I was a procrastinator, my house was a mess too. But she finished the sentence by saying, because I'm a perfectionist. And the guy standing next to her said, that sounds upside down. I think if you were a perfectionist, your house would be perfect. Mm. She said, no, no, my mother taught me the right way to clean the house and the kitchen. You move the table and chairs, you wash the floor, you move it back. Same in the living room, move everything out, vacuum, move it back. And then she said, Pete, if I don't have the time or the energy to do it perfectly, 
I don't do it at all. Oh. Uh-huh. And I believe many times people say, I want to write a book. I want to start a taking, I want to go for a college degree. I want to start a business. I want to volunteer for something, but I'm going to wait till I have the time or the energy to do it perfectly. Sales people often stumble. They know the product. They know their sales goal. Why aren't they reaching their sales goal? They're waiting till the time and the energy. They, they want to learn one more thing because it's not perfect. So that's another cause. And then another cause, there's a lot of causes. Mm-hmm. Another cause is our self-talk, negative self-talk. It's like if somebody said to you, Pete, you're going to start an exercise class. You'll never do it. You're going to start developing podcasts. Eh, they won't be popular. You're going to write a book. You'll never do it. Sometimes we'll go, I didn't really plan on doing it, but now I'm going to do it because I'm so ticked off at you. I'm going to prove you're wrong. But if it's our own voice saying, you know, I don't think I have what it takes to start a business. I don't think I have what it takes to really set high goals, high sales goals. I don't think I have what it takes. That has the power to immobilize us and paralyze us, and we don't move. But once we identify that self-talk, once we give the name, we'll say to ourselves, I'm not going to let fear of rejection keep me away, uh, keep me from living my life. I'm not going to let fear of failure keep me from trying this. And we can move on. So there's a lot of subtle things that cause procrastination. Oh, right. One of them simply is no planning. You know, when I was in high school, they used to say, if you want something done, give it to the busiest person. Have you ever noticed that? Oh, yeah. Have you ever noticed like people who they're going to get rid of all their clutter when they retire and you talk to them a year later and they never got around to it. They got all the time in the world. Right. They're not getting anything. So I think sometimes we procrastinate just because we didn't decide to do it. I'm not a morning person. Do you know what I mean by that? Oh, yeah. Like my husband opens his eyes, he gets out of bed, and he chatters, and he's, hello, he's happy. I'm Uh, happy when I get it, and I follow a coffee cup wherever it leads me. mm -hmm. And so I'm useless in the morning. How do I get texture, and how do I get planned? Because at night, I'm at my best. So at the end of the day, I take a post-it, I write the six most important things I have to do the next day. The next morning, I follow my coffee cup in, and I see, okay, let's get started. I have direction then. So a lot of people just never do any planning. They don't set goals. They don't decide where they want to go. One big cause of procrastination is not deciding. You hear a lot of people say, I always wanted to go to Russia. I always wanted to learn to play the guitar. I always wanted to do this, but I never had time. No, we don't get time. Nobody's going to say, oh, here's a big old bucket of time for you. Mm -hmm. We made time for what's important, and they never decided to start planning to go to Russia. Maybe it'll take two years to save all and figure out where you want to go. They never made the decision to say, I'm going to learn to play the guitar. Maybe you can't start today, but you could track down a guitar teacher or where you're going to buy a guitar, that type of thing. Does that make sense? Oh, yes. A lot of things we wish we did. There was a wonderful quote by a guy named Sidney J. Harris. Regret for the things we did can be tempered over time. It is regret for the things we did not do that is inconsolable. And a lot of times we didn't do it because we just never decided to. You know what? That That is so true. And I haven't really ever reflected on that before. And that's getting me going. Thank you. Oof. 
Cool. All right. So I'm fired up. Let's do this. I'm going to throw one more quote at you. All right. I'll take it. I'll take it. (laughs) Okay. Paulo, his name is Paulo Kello. I don't know a thing about him. All right. The Alchemist. You will wake up. You know him? Well, the, the book, The Alchemist, I know that, not much more. There you go. Okay. One day you'll wake up and there won't be any more time to do the things you've always wanted. Do it now. Okay. Thank you. So so let's talk about making that happen. If we want to eliminate procrastination, you want to kick it into gear and, and do it now, what should we keep in mind? What's the, the recipe, the prescription, the formula? Okay. My recipe and my formula is I call it take the sting out of feeling overwhelmed because it seems like everybody today has so much to do. They can't do it all. I have uh-huh. so much to do. I got a million things to do. I have so much to do. I don't know where to get started. So this is, I call it take the sting out of feeling overwhelmed. It's five steps to a strategy, and the first letter of each step spells sting. Okay. And the first part of sting, the S, is select just one thing to do. And I'll ask people, what are you putting off? And they go, everything. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I'll say, yeah, but let's select one thing. But I'm putting off a million things. And so it's hard. And we have to even teach kids how to select just one thing to do. And so sometimes they'll say, okay, I've selected it. I'm going to get rid of all the clutter in my house. No, let's make it a little narrower. When my book first came out, a doctor in Nova Scotia used to write an email every Monday morning telling me his goal for the week and how he did last week. Pete, I never met the man. I don't Mm -hmm. know why he did it. I didn't ask him to do this. (laughs) I know, isn't that funny? But one day, the goal, one Monday, the goal said, clear the papers off my dining room table. Tuesday morning, there was an email from him. Never got one on a Tuesday, only got them on Mondays. And it said, revision of yesterday's goal. And it said, clear off the northwest corner of the dining room table. (laughs) And I think that's brilliant. So when we talk about select just one thing to do, you're not going to write a whole book. But, you know, select the book and now decide. You're going to outline it. You're going to do research. How are you going to do that? You're going to want to start a business. Select one area of it. And the T of Sting is time it. Set a timer for an hour. A lot of people say, I don't need a timer. Okay, you don't. You can look at a clock. But the tick, tick, tick of a timer does create a sense of urgency. And then a lot of times we say, I will do this when I have a whole weekend free or a whole evening free or an afternoon free of interruptions. Ah, that's never going to happen. But most of us can find an hour, not an hour a day, but an hour a week. When I started writing my book, I thought I will mark on my calendar one hour every week that I will work. I don't know how many hours it takes to write a book, but even if I cheat and Mm. at the end of the year I got 48 hours worth of book, I'll be on my way. I did that for four weeks, and by the fourth week, I was excited. I was enthusiastic. I had begun, and after that, I just made time. I never had to mark it. I was able to make time, and I think a lot of us learn that in school. You put something off, you put it off, you finally get started, and you're enjoying the project. So many of us don't procrastinate about the whole job. Many times, we're just procrastinating about getting started. This is an excellent way. Select something small, time it, just do it for one hour. And then the I and the N of Sting are the only two rules. I is ignore everything else. Have you ever said to yourself, I'm going to write that 
proposal today. Oh, but first I ought to check, see if I've got any emails. Oh, right. and then John always sends a text. Oh, he wants, oh, John wants some information. Okay, I'm going to go research the information. Okay, now I'm researching. I got the information, but I have to make a quick call to Tim to see if this part works. At the end of the day, you got 15 things started, nothing finished, and you go, well, I was multitasking. Hmm. <laughs> but it's not multi. So for that one hour, not forever, not all the time, but for that one hour, ignore everything else. If you were right now in our podcast, if somebody called me, I'd ignore it. If somebody well, texted you. you, you're going to ignore it. Already so, ignored them. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had one too. <laughs> Check. So, so, so while you're in that hour, Ignore anything coming through because they know that you are not available 100% of the time. Sometimes you're in an important meeting or something, and then you will reply to them later. And, you know, I have to say, sometimes at the beginning, that is so hard for people to do. I remind them it's like going to the gym and you don't feel coordinated and your muscles hurt. In a short time, you're coordinated. You can do what you need to do. Your muscles don't hurt. So you're developing a disciplinary muscle, and that is ignore everything else. That's the I of sting, and the N is no breaks. I used to be very good at breaks, Pete. I could take a two-hour job and have it last me eight months because I was very good at taking breaks. So if I'm dying for my cup of coffee and I didn't get it, I will wait when the timer stop stinging, then I'll go get the cup of coffee. I will, because I I just used to take breaks constantly in the middle of my job. So we got S-T-I-N, select something to do, to select one small area to do. T, time it for an hour. I, ignore everything else. N, no breaks. And the G of sting is give yourself a reward. Now, it's worded very carefully. It's not get a reward. Yes, a trip to Hawaii would be a wonderful reward for clearing the clutter off your desk. That's not what we're talking about. What can you give yourself? Little rewards for little things, big rewards for big things. And so a lot of people, their reward is something they could have anyway. For me, I come in and I put one hour in that, you know, I set up a post-it with six things. I put one hour on something on that post-it. And when the hour's up, and I allow myself one cup of coffee beforehand. Once the hour is up and I've spent an hour on that, maybe I got three things done. Maybe I only got part of one thing done, but I did an hour on it. Now I can have all the coffee I want. Okay. And this reward thing is a lot of times people say, how can I get myself to like a job I hate? You might never be able to. But if you could have a reward at the end of that job you hate, And after a while, maybe you'll stop hating it, and maybe you never will. I'm going to give you a couple of quick examples. A friend got workout equipment, and he said his routine was come home, grab a beer, put his feet up, and watch TV. And he said, I got this workout equipment. I'm going to work out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday when I get home. I said, what's your reward going to be? And he said, my reward will be working out a nice – no, my reward will be a pat on the back. And I said, that's not going to get you to give Mm -hmm. up of the beer and TV? No. And I said, it's got to be something that you really want. So he called me later and he said, two weeks. I worked every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I said, what was your reward? And he said, the reward was he wouldn't let himself sit down, get a beer, turn the TV on until, and put his feet up until he had worked out. That was his reward. But sometimes it's Going to a concert, going to a museum, uh, chatting with a friend long distance that you haven't talked to, 
a lot of people love to read books, but they have so much technical stuff to read that there's no time. So it's sitting and reading a Western or a mystery guilt-free because you just put in an hour on something. So that's the G. Give yourself a reward. Okay. Well, well, thank you. So that's, that's a nice rundown, easy to remember, and, and, and it mm-hmm. makes good sense. So I want to dig into a couple of those yeah. things with some follow-ups there. Now, on the select phase, you mentioned that that's kind of tricky for people. They say, I've been procrastinating everything, and, but they mm-hmm. have to like zero in on selecting one thing. Are there any kind of particular criteria or tools or questions you recommend people ask themselves to zero in on selecting something that's really going to be awesome for them to choose? That is the joy of it. There is not a rule. Like, let's say somebody has a house full of clutter. Maybe they want to start on the living room where most people see it. Maybe they want to start in the kitchen where everybody gathers for a meal. Maybe the decision is to get rid of the clutter in the bedroom because it's the first thing you see in the morning, the last thing you see at night. You start where you want to start because you're changing a habit. And you do what you can do to change this habit. And eventually, these disciplinary muscles start to kick in, and you're rolling along, and all of a sudden, you realize, I haven't been procrastinating. Now, the sting strategy I gave you works for about 85% of the things we're putting off. And by the way, I was the world's greatest procrastinator. I converted, and now I'm a recovering procrastinator. And I don't say recovered. I'm recovering because I still have tendencies. So people say, oh, if you have a tendency towards procrastinating, what do you do? I get a sting. But what about those things that it doesn't work for? You've tried sting, and you can't get yourself to make it work. We need to discuss another aspect, and that is fear. Fears that can cause us to put stuff off. Fear, honestly, I have a whole chapter in my book about fears because there are so many of them. Can we take time, Pete, or do you want me to just rattle off? Oh, it's the sock fear. Let's do it. Yeah? Okay. I think a lot of times everybody understands fear of failure, but a lot of people don't understand fear of success. And I think fear of success is insidious and subtle, but I think it's pervasive. And it's a lot of places that people think, oh, if I really succeed in business, I might become rich and rich people have miserable lives or my friends won't be my friends anymore. Or if if I go get that college degree, I'll be the only one in my family. My family will think I'm naughty or something. Or if I take on this job and I succeed, there will be more responsibility. And I have so much responsibility on my shoulders. Or if I do this, I might do a great job. And then what if I can never reach that level again? What if I can never do a great job again? We could talk for a whole hour, Pete, just about fears, and I don't want to take up all the time, but we do need to think about if sting isn't working, to ask yourself, what is holding me back? And maybe what's holding you back, you don't say fear, but you say, well, I might do a good job. Okay, and what's wrong with that? Well, I I might create a lot of extra work, and then I won't be a good parent. You know, you have to know. Okay, so your fear is that it'll take, to succeed will take so much time, you won't have time for your, your spouse or your kids or your whatever's valuable in your life. But we do need to face it because once we identify it, once it has a name, it really loses most of its power. It has the... 
A fear that is subconscious does have the power to immobilize us. But once we identify it, it loses its power. We say, okay, so I'm afraid of success and I've admitted it. One woman said she was in multi-level marketing and she really felt she could do a great job and she couldn't get herself to do it. And I said, are you a afraid of the business itself and after we asked a few questions she her husband poured money into his son her stepson and he was an adult in his 20s who was not working and her fear was she'd be earning money that would go to sub take care of this kid who was lazy and not working mm. funny convoluted fear but these are funny things that hold us back and it's worth looking into journaling, meditating, going for a walk and just thinking about what is keeping me back from the next level of success, whatever it is in your mind. What's keeping me back from really accelerating our marketing or raising my goals? I'll tell you a quick story. My son has uh, four kids and uh, he and his wife wanted to go to Ireland and they realized they were just so afraid. They, it was too big and overwhelming. They wouldn't know where they wanted to go. They asked us if we would care to go with them. We said, of course. They said, we're giving ourselves two years. So in two years, for two years, they budgeted, and they'd say, no, we're not having pizza tonight because we're saving for Ireland. The kids all got jobs that little kids can do. However, the top three, the third kid down, would turn 13. So three of the kids would be teenagers by the time we went. And the kids got to research where we go, but whatever you picked, you had to sell the others on. So when we did go to Ireland, it was like a dream come true. These, Instead of being bored, these kids were, you know, I'm the Newgrange guy. Let me tell you guys about Newgrange. One of the things you might not know, they, it was fabulous. Mm. It was just, but it was scary. For years, they put it off because it was scary. And they couldn't afford it. And they were afraid that it would the kids would be bored, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, of course, learning to play the guitar, they're learning to play the going to Russia, all these things, these crazy things we have on our bucket list. Yes, they are scary. You might go to China and it might, you might not understand what's going on or something. But once you identify the fear, you can start to tackle it. Isn't oh, thank that cool? You. That is cool. Yes, indeed. And, and it makes sense that if there's something mysterious that's holding you back above and beyond sheer distraction and busyness, and so, so it's good to face it. And then you can even make an informed decision. It's like, oh, this, if yeah. this takes off, it'll take time away from my family. And then you could say, well, and I am unwilling to do that. And there's no other way around it. Therefore, I can let that go peacefully. Or you can find a solution like, oh, well, I'll just have to outsource a couple pieces. And then You're either right. way, you move on. And when you say let go peacefully, that's not procrastinating then. That's right. saying... I thought I wanted to do this, and I didn't. Pete, as we talked, did, could you think of any time in your life that you could identify that fear held you back for a while? Well, it was funny. With, with the podcast, I, I think that I had originally imagined launching it probably in November, but it ended up being in April. And part of it was that I didn't want to make another thing that had like a lukewarm response. You know, I wanted to make something... Fantastic. Yeah. And you did. And I also knew that once the train was, oh, thank you. Thank you. And I also knew that once the train was moving, you know, that, that you've inherited a, a kind of a responsibility in terms of, you know, you know, folks, folks like and appreciate and expect some consistency. 
if you followed a show before that yes. releases on Sunday nights or whatever, and then it's not there, you just go, oh, you know, it's like, I guess there's not a new episode this week. It just, it just makes you kind of sad. And I didn't want to, I don't want to do that and have sort of create an expectation I might not be able to fulfill. So, so yes, there were some fears and I think it resulted in a few months of delay and, Hopefully those those weren't totally wasted. I did some good research and, and learned some new things, but but yeah, fear was in the equation. I, well, you know, there you used the fear though. I don't want it to be mediocre, so I'm going to research some more. I'm going to prepare more. Mm-hmm. I'm going to figure out a way that there isn't this universal sigh across America going, "Oh, <laughs> he doesn't have another podcast." Well, I, I would hope they'd yeah. be that disappointed. <laughs> well, I guess we'll see. Oh, I'm thinking you don't want the sigh and you want people oh, going, wow, I guess wow. I don't want the sigh, but in this counterfactual world, I would want them to love it so much that it would produce a sigh. Okay. <laughs> Have it okay. both ways. Have it both ways. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I'll tell you, when I was a procrastinator, one of the things I, I can identify now but not then was... I didn't set goals. I didn't take risks. I didn't have dreams. I was 20 years, I was in my 20s and I did not have dreams. Mm. I felt like whatever life happens, that's how my life's going to go. I don't have any planning for it. And it's like, I remember, well, I was like 29 at the time, wanting to be a leader for my daughter's brownie troop, but thinking, oh, I'll never get stuff done like I should. And I passed up the opportunity. And uh, luckily, by the time our son was Cub Scout, I was on my way to the feeling at least I might be able to get stuff done. But as a teenager, I never dreamt of uh, going to college or traveling or anything. I thought I'd never fly on a plane. Mm. And it's kind of a defeated feeling that people who procrastinate have. You'll hear it. They'll say, oh, I'd love to write a book, but I I could never do it. I'd love to do it. That's heartbreaking. It is. It is. The procrastination can be heartbreaking, and breaking the procrastination habit can be exhilarating. You cannot guarantee this to anyone, but so many people say they get energized. It's sort of like when you put something off and you're falling asleep at night and you're thinking about, oh, I still didn't make that phone call, or you're, you're thinking, I still didn't do that. It can be more exhausting than digging a ditch. We do get tired from doing stuff. But we get equally tired, sometimes more tired from what we're putting off because it drains us. It's Yeah, I agree. So a lot of people, when they break the procrastination habit, report that they feel more energized. Well, they got plans. They're excited about the plans. That brings enthusiasm. Enthusiasm creates energy. They've got dreams. They're pursuing their dreams. It's pretty cool. Oh, I'm sold. I'm sold. That's good stuff. And... I'm excited to put some of that into into action. So tell me, is there anything else you'd like to discuss, Rita, before we shift gears and talk about some of your favorite things? Well, yes, because I think a lot of people believe that that their procrastination, that's their personality trait they were born with. That's their character flaw. Mm. I am this way, and that's how I am. And my message is, it's simply a habit. Procrastination is simply a habit, not something that makes you a worthless worm and that you are just destined to never get anything done. And I truly believe what these tools sting and then just 
talking and thinking about fear. A mom told me they were moving, and she could not get her three daughters to start packing up anything. And finally, after attending a seminar of mine, she uh, said to them, there are fears about moving. I think you guys are not packing your rooms because you're afraid. And the girls started talking about, you know, there's a lot of fears, the new school, and you don't know how kids dress, and a lot, a lot of stuff. And without her nagging or anything, all three of them started packing up after that. It was like there was this release once they realized, I, I am afraid. I was able to talk about being afraid. Now I'm not so afraid anymore. Mm. So I, I just think that we need to recognize it's a habit we got into. When I was writing a book to help adults, for adults to help kids stop procrastinating, I interviewed a ton of adults, over 500. And over and over they said, I, I never was taught a different way. And oh. a lot of us just like the way to do it is to wish I could do it. No, I won't. And so I can't do it. And so you are presenting in this podcast different ways, a strategy and a way of thinking and exploring that can really bam, release people and get them going. Oh, yeah, I'm excited. I think it's a great toolkit, and um, I'll be putting into into practice myself. So now I'd love to get your take on, could you share perhaps a favorite study or piece of research or experiment that you find yourself thinking about or quoting or citing often? Yes. I was very interested in the research on accelerated learning, that ah. when you start to learn principles, when I teach seminars, if, if you add humor, well, actually, it's what you are doing, Pete. If you add humor and stories to a learning process, people not only can take it in more, they're less defensive, and they'll say, oh, maybe I could do that, and they retain it more, and they're able to implement it more. I thought that was interesting, and also there's been lots of research on the power of storytelling. So, yeah, some of that stuff has been, I love research about how people learn. You know, one of my favorite quotes is by Einstein. He said, everyone is a genius, but if a fish is judged by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life feeling stupid. And yes. I am very aware that a lot of kids do terribly taking tests in school, so they feel stupid. And you talk to the kid, and when he starts talking about trains, he is so smart, or insects, or sharks, or computers they're really so smart but they feel stupid i didn't mean to bring this up as a plug but last week i wrote a book called, i wrote a book called farkle shark you are not stupid based on that quote by einstein and my it's my very first picture book and it was published on kindle last week and it'll come out in a print book in a couple of weeks but i wrote it specifically because over and over I kids who feel stupid, but they don't know how to learn. They, Their brain isn't wired to learn the way we teach in school. And I think all of us adults go through that, too. You know, you're learning new software, and you feel so dumb. But you're not dumb. Right. You just don't know this. So anyway, I didn't mean to go off on a tangent. No, it's fun. Thank you. I love research about how people learn. I think that's fascinating. And how about a favorite habit, something of yours that you do that has really been game-changing in terms of your daily effectiveness? Uh, well, I did mention that a little post-it with six things on it every night. Mm -hmm. I also, to keep focused, some, every once in a while I start to feel like I got so many projects going, I'm a little overwhelmed. So I'll type them out and I'll post it above my computer. And so it's like, okay, I can't work on all those projects all at once. I was writing a book and writing a picture book and developing online courses. 
So today I'll just focus on one. So that has helped me a lot just to write out what it is that's overwhelming me. In fact, at the beginning of uh, my book, The Procrastinator's Handbook, I tell people to write out 101 things that you've been putting off. Maybe you'll never do them, but write them out. And most people never get to 101. They think they're putting off over 100 things because they're so overwhelmed. But they'll they'll come up with 23, which is a lot, but it's not 101. Right. But then once it's written out... Now they can focus. Okay, this is important. I think I'll focus on this. It's not so important. I can do that next year, and that's okay. And I won't be procrastinating. I'm prioritizing. Well, that's fascinating right there, just that writing it down, the the load, the psychic interpretation you have of, ah, there's so much. You, you in fact, see, it's like the emperor has no clothes. The demon is unmasked. Like, oh, it's not so, not so big after all. 23, not 100. Absolutely. That's cool. Absolutely. And then if you talk about habits, one of the others is recognizing so clearly that I am at my best in the afternoon and evening. All of my books were written between 10 and at night and 2 in the morning. That's my best time. But I'm terrible early in the morning. And so I've learned to compensate. I decide ahead of time what to do, and then I use that as to give me direction. That's been one of my best habits. Oh, thank you. And how about a particular nugget of, of something that you speak or write about that gets a lot of retweets or head nods or notes taken, Kindle books, highlights going? What's something that you say that people really seem to connect with and repeat? Okay, two from the books are, I consider these the most popular, not because of a formal survey, but what I get in emails, what people comment on. Mm-hmm. One is, tell me if you agree to this, Pete, God created company so the home gets cleaned. Company. Yeah, you invite people over, and now you got to clean this. <laughs> I was thinking like a corporation. I'm with you. I'm with you, visitors. Yes. <laughs> when my kids were little, I'd be cleaning the house, and their first thing would be, "Who's coming over?" That's the only time. I, okay. And the other one is, if you don't have enough room for all your stuff, you don't need more room. You need less stuff. Okay, that's a clear and distinction. Then, the opening line of the procrastinator's book says, Emmett's Law, the dread of doing a task often uses up more time and energy than doing the task itself. Agreed. Okay, and then from my talks, we talked about fear. I think one of them is, in fact, I mentioned it already, it's important. That is, to have a standard of excellence because excellence is achievable. Perfection is hardly ever achievable. That makes sense? Oh, Absolutely. Got it. And what's mm-hmm. the best way to find you if folks want to learn more and discover more of your stuff? Where should they go? Okay. Well, my website is very cleverly named RitaEmmett.com. Ah. A guy asked me what's clever about that, and I said, well, I can remember it. And he <laughs> said, okay, okay. So that's Rita is R-I-T-A, and Emmett is two M's and two T's. So it's dot com. And my email is not Rita Emmett, it's Remmett, R-E-M-M-E-T-T 4112 at AOL.com. I went back to my old AOL address for a crazy reason. Okay, yeah, I, that's cool. I will get that fixed. <laughs> and then my books are all at Amazon bookstores. And, oh, on Facebook, I'm at uh, facebook.com slash author. R-I-T-A-E-M-M-E-T-T dot author. And let's see what else. Oh, I have to tell you, I've stopped tweeting. 
I would go into a time warp. Tweeting Twitter creates a time warp. I would swear on a stack of Bibles that I just spent 10 minutes on Twitter, and I'd look at the clock, and the clock would insist that I spent an hour and 20 minutes. And I'd argue with the clock, but then it seemed to be right. I don't tweet anymore, so I okay. stopped. Okay, so That's it. Yes, noted. Uh-huh. And how about a, a favorite challenge or, or, or final call to action that you'd leave folks with who are seeking to be more awesome at their jobs? Oh, I like that. I like the way you word it. And that is, when you're overwhelmed, which most people are, today decide, zero in on one specific thing you want to work on, and then go spend one hour on it. Make a dis- So we're talking decisions. Decide one specific thing you want to work on, and then decide on what when you're going to put in an hour on it and then honor that hour as if it's a dentist appointment that if you miss it you got to pay the dentist okay well thank you well rita this has been so fun thanks for sharing these pieces and good luck to you and all of the folks that you're you're reaching and touching and transforming to eliminate the procrastination and liberate that energy thank you pete i don't think we mentioned my book procrastinator is called the procrastinator's handbook and the clutter one is called the clutter busting handbook there's a few others but for this particular talk those are the ones that matter most oh yeah absolutely and we'll link all of those i didn't mention i got a free tip sheet that i send out by email once a month and it focuses on procrastination clutter and stress that's all and it's short and snappy and people can go to my website which i cleverly named ritaemmet.com and scroll down towards the bottom of the homepage, and they can sign up there, and it's free. And oh, I don't good. give their address out, and I don't spam them. I just send them an email once a month, and they like it. Oh, good. Thank you. Well, yes, and, and certainly we will, we will link all of those things in, in the show notes here at uh, awesomeatyourjob.com, and certainly. So that'll be out and about, and, and thanks for everything. Thank you, Pete, and thanks for having me on and not procrastinating about getting this program on oh my pleasure (laughs) okay wonderful my pleasure too thank you okay there it is i think the piece of the acronym that has helped me the most is select one thing and it really is an act of will it's a decision it's a true action selecting it it's almost like with a mouse or cursor i'm imagining selecting one email or one file. I am selecting it. I'm double clicking it. I'm opening it up. And now I'm emerged in that thing mentally. Whatever. That's my fun little weird visualization. And it helps me. So I hope that or something else like it has helped you. And again, if you want to check out the show notes, the transcripts, the links to things mentioned, that is over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep56. And if you haven't already, I hope you push the subscribe button because you don't want to miss our next guest, which will not be Monday. That's Labor Day. I'm going to offer some quick tips on rejuvenation from your labors on Labor Day. And then on the Wednesday, we'll hear from Jenny Blake, who has a new book, Pivot, that is dropping that week. And the episode is releasing in conjunction with that. Am I too old to say drop now? I don't know. It drops slash releases both the book and Jenny Blake's episode about pivoting your career and figuring out kind of what's the best move and and how to navigate that in an optimal strategic way. So I hope to catch you then and peace. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To get the most out of this conversation, visit awesomeatyourjob.com to find today's show notes, transcript, and infographic summary cheat sheet. For more entertaining professional skill sharpening, be sure to subscribe to catch the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job. 